It is so good to see you in the Lord's house this morning. I want to welcome you as well as those that are in our East venue and those that are joining us online. I want to invite each of you, let's take our Bibles, go back to Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4, and we are winding down our preaching, teaching series in Philippians. It has been a joy to preach and to teach from this book. It's been challenging to receive the word, and we're going to lean into Paul's thank you note at the end of this letter today, and we're going to hear his gratitude about gospel partnerships. It was Paul who said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, "...and everything give thanks." For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we're going to see him giving thanks to a group of believers that were partners with him in the gospel mission. Paul viewed this group of believers, these, these saints at Philippi, he viewed their generosity as evidence of a true partnership or fellowship with him in ministry. Paul began his letter, look back in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, with that same heart of gratitude. He said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so the word that Paul used for partnership is one that is recurring over and over again in this letter. It's from koinonia in the Greek. The koinon word group is one that means fellowship or partnership or having things in common, sharing things that are in common. And so in Paul's concluding remarks, that heart of gratitude flows back out, and he's going to say, thank you for having a heart of fellowship and partnership with me in this gospel mission. Now, when we think about partnership and fellowship in the gospel mission, it means that we share in common. We, as the people of God, have some things in common. I want to list two of them that we know that we have in common. One is we have in common a Savior. We are children of God who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. No one child of God is better than the other. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And so in this family called the body of Christ, the church, we are children of God who have in common a glorious Savior. And there is none other name in heaven or on earth by which we are saved, save the name Jesus Christ. But secondly, what we share is a mission. We share a Savior, have that in common, but we share a mission. It's called the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. When we hear our Savior give us our marching orders for as long as we live out life here on earth, that you are now to go and make disciples of all the nations. You are to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. As you do, you are to baptize those who hear and receive and believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We often shorten that commission to say we are called, mandated to make disciples. So two things that we share in common, a Savior through whom we have been redeemed and a mission 
by which we are called to go to the nations and make disciples, beginning here and going to the ends of the earth. And so as we read these four verses this morning in our text of Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18, keep in mind partnership, fellowship. What do we have in common as the people of God? I want to invite you, if you're able, to stand again, this time in honor of the reading of God's Word. Verse 14, Philippians chapter 4. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father, by your Spirit, give us focus and clarity of thought. Give us a mind and heart to receive. Give us understanding. And Father, make application in our life where it is needed so that we can be strong together in Christ through this thing called a gospel partnership for your glory. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We want to keep in mind these believers in Philippi who were from the province of Macedonia and some things that we need to remember as Paul gives thanks for their generosity is that whole region called Macedonia was very, very poor. Uh, that would include the places like Thessalonica and Berea as well as Philippi. Though they were living literally below poverty, many of them, they were still generous in their gospel partnership with Paul. They were giving not out of their abundance. They were giving not out of their convenience, but they were giving to a mission that had radically changed their life out of sacrifice. And so here's a, a side note we need to keep in mind. They are a living testimony through Scripture that you do not have to have an abundance in order to be generous. They were generous in the midst of their own poverty, and Paul applauds them. You might want to write down 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 for good background reading about the Macedonian believers. And in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul is using their testimony to spark the flame of giving and continuing in a relief offering to the believers in Corinth. And so I just want to, from a high view, uh, give you an overview of what Paul said about their giving. This reflects their heart. He said their giving was joyful giving. Remember, they're living with need. They're living in poverty, but as they partnered with Paul and others in the mission for the sake of the gospel, they did so joyfully. How in the world can anybody who is living at poverty or below be joyful when they give away some of what they have? 
Here's how. Because they understood that they were sinners, condemned already in their sin. They were lost and headed to hell when Paul came to Philippi and said, but I have some good news for you. And the good news is how much God loves you. The good news is through God's son, Jesus, who died for you, shed his blood, was buried, and he rose again so that your greatest need can be taken care of and your sin debt can be paid in full. They heard, they received, they believed, and they were radically changed. Can I just tell you something, dear church? When your heart is radically changed by the gospel, you suddenly become a different person. And part of that difference is there is a generosity that begins to grow inside of you and overflow through you. They gave joyfully. Then Paul says they gave generously, that their extreme, even through their extreme poverty in 2 Corinthians 8, they have overflowed, here's what Paul said, with a wealth of generosity on their part. It may not mean that they gave more dollars per dollar amount than anybody else, but they gave in a generous spirit out of a generous heart. They were generous with what they did have. They gave proportionately. Paul said it this way, for they gave according to their means. Important for us to understand. God does not ask you, nor does he ask me to give what I don't have. But he's asked me to be faithful with what I do have. He's not asked me to give on a level of somebody else. He's asked me to be faithful and generous at the level that I'm currently in. And they learned to give proportionately from their, where they were. But not only did they give proportionately, Paul says they went above and beyond. And I can testify not only according to their means, but they gave beyond their means. And this is what that means. They gave sacrificially. In other words, they did without something in order to fuel the gospel mission. That, that's the heart of generosity growing out of these believers. Some of you understand that. Some of you are doing that this time of year, and we got great opportunities to lean into that even more through Thanksgiving and blessing those that are less fortunate, and through Christmas, blessing those that are less fortunate. Christmas gift shop is one way that you are participating as a church even now. But Paul says not only did they give according to what they had and beyond what they had, but they gave willingly. Now, here's what preacher Paul is saying. I did not have to stand in front of them and preach a sermon on giving in order for them to give. I did not have to guilt them into giving. It came from a heart that had experienced the gospel transformation that overflowed with great joy and great generosity because they really, really knew if God can meet me at my point of greatest need and salvation, then this God can be sufficient for every need that I face. And I'm going to put him first in my giving, believing, trusting that he is my sufficient God. That's a pretty powerful testimony, isn't it? One more thing about it. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, they gave themselves first. They gave worshipfully. They understood giving began with the heart and giving began with surrender, saying, oh, dear God, you have blessed me far beyond what I deserve. 
You have rescued me in Christ. You have redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb. And God, as you have given your best for me, I surrender and I want to give my best back to you. That's called worship. And Paul, at the end of the passage that we read, said that is well-pleasing to God. What a powerful testimony. In our text, as Paul began in verse 14, it was kind of an abrupt beginning when he said, Nevertheless... Or yet, if you had that translation that began with yet. And that's just calling our attention. Paul is changing gears. There's a transition in verse 14. And what he does in verse 14, he goes back and grabs what he started in verse 10. So look at verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. This is where Paul says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. It has revived again. And so you remember that. Now, Paul left that thought, and he talked about contentment, contentment through the person of Christ. That's where Paul says, I've learned to be content no matter what my circumstances are. In the days that I had plenty and the days I didn't have enough, I learned contentment through the person of Christ. He ended that passage with verse 13. I can do all things, all these things, contentment, no matter what situation I'm in, through Christ who gives me strength. Now, if the letter had ended there, Paul was concerned possibly that they would misunderstand what he was saying. If he just said, I'm content in Christ, hey, it didn't matter if I was in need or had abundance. I was good. I'm good. It's kind of like some of you. How are you? I'm good. Paul says, I'm good. I had everything I need. I had Jesus. In Christ, I can do all things. He didn't want them to be offended or misunderstood his heart. And and so Paul came back, and in verse 14, he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, you did well. You did well. Now, if you have your sermon notes, we're leaning into number one on your notes. These believers love for the Apostle Paul as the messenger of the gospel who delivered it first to them. And their love for Jesus and serving him through the gospel mission all of a sudden merge through what we call gospel partnership through generous giving. Number one on your notes, verses 14 through 16, remind us that gospel partnerships are fueled by generous giving. And generous giving comes from the people of God who have been radically changed by the power of the gospel. And so the transition comes as Paul says, I don't want you to misunderstand. I want you to hear my heart. Thank you for your gift. You have done well with this gift. And then he began to explain some of the specifics of how they did well. Their gift did meet a material need. As a prisoner, he had no means. He relied on others to meet his need, even pay his rent, and maybe give him even food that was above and beyond. So they had met a need. In that sense, they were a partner with him. And also in the midst of his affliction. Paul didn't want them to misunderstand that he was hurting And in a bad situation, he had affliction. He was under distress. And even though he was content in Christ, he was sure thankful for the gift that came his way. Because that gift did provide relief. But that gift also brought back a heart of love that overflowed for these believers. That, oh, it's been a little while. But yet again, 
you have caused your care for me, your compassion for me to be revived or flourish again. You came through again. Ultimately, Paul is saying, hey, my God came through, but my God came through through you and you and you and you, and I'm a thankful man that it did. And so gospel partnerships are always fueled by generous giving from believers. Again, Paul uses that word group from Koinonia, and, and Paul is really celebrating the periodicity that it is, Spencer. That was on purpose. It's an inside deacon joke uh, of their giving. And so uh, Paul is celebrating that, hey, you've done this before. And, it, and you did it again, and now you've also done it yet again. Paul began taking his readers back 10 years ago when I first came to you and shared the gospel. And then when I ministered to you, and there was affliction there in Philippi where I ministered. And then when I left Macedonia for the Achaean city, cities like Athens and Corinth, no other church shared with me, but you did. You didn't forget about me when I was gone. Not only did you pray for me, not only did your heart and compassion go with me, but you sent financial means with me. When he left uh, Philippi for Thessalonica, this young church was already helping him. And Paul says that you've done this before, and now you've done it again. And I want to say you did well in partnering in the gospel with me. Paul shows us here that the inseparable relationship between financial giving and gospel partnership is real. There is a giving and a receiving always in gospel partnership. Paul has given to them, gladly spent his life with them for the sake of the gospel. And in return, they were just not consumers only. They didn't, were not content just to sit and receive and soak it all in. But they were spurred by God's goodness and God's grace through the gospel that changed their life to participate by sending Paul off with a gift, by continuing to pray for the apostle, but continue to send gifts with him as he took that good news to other places. Some have said it as bluntly as this, and if Paul is standing before us today, he might say it exactly like this. If you are not giving financially, then you're not really a gospel partner. Resonates, doesn't it? Paul would be so bold saying, all right, Let's put your money where your mouth is. You say you're all in for the sake of the gospel. You say you're all in for the mission of making disciples. But exactly how far in are you? Paul views them as co-laborers wherever he goes because they're invested. They have skin in the game. They are praying for him, but they're sending help for him. And the help is so that his needs will be met, but the help is so that he can keep going and advancing the gospel literally to the ends of the earth. And may the testimony of these faithful believers in Macedonia spur us on to be faithful gospel partners today. And I, I just want to put a big parenthesis in, in point number one 
And I want to share with you some exciting partnerships that we already have that you and I share together. Number one, we partner with over 50,000 churches in what we call the Southern Baptist Convention. And what we partner around is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our unity as 50,000 diverse local churches tried to come together, our unity is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're different, we are diverse, we're unique local bodies of believers, but one thing that we link in and lock in together, there's but one gospel, and it's the gospel that changed my heart, and it's the gospel we're commanded to go and tell others about this good news that can change their life for all eternity. And so we partner since 1845, our convention uh, has had that partnership around the gospel. And there's a thing called the cooperative program. Just how many have ever heard of the cooperative program? I'm scared to look. All right, now you've heard of it, cooperative program. This is the genius of Southern Baptist life. This is how we partner best together. And the cooperative program is the financial arm of our gospel partnership together. Southern Baptists aren't perfect. We've got plenty of warts and blemishes and challenges in front of us. But there is not another group that does gospel partnership financially better than Southern Baptist. And the cooperative program is the way that we do that together. It came into existence in 1925, but the cooperative program came into existence after a failed campaign. It was in 1919 that really the thought process of our SBC leaders proposed a $75 million campaign, which was a five-year pledge that for the very first time, they sought to bring all Southern Baptists together and we give toward one location for the sake of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Well, we fell pretty short of the $75 million campaign, but what grew out of that since 1925 was that we learned something, that we are better together and stronger together than individual churches. And so what was birthed out of that failure was in 1925, the cooperative program where we began giving together. At our 200th Bicentennial State Convention of Alabama Baptists this past week, they were able to announce that Alabama Baptists have given over $1 billion together through the cooperative program since 1925. That's pretty remarkable. When you think of all the missionaries and all the entities that you have been a part of fueling for the sake of the gospel mission, and the fact that you're a member or a regular attender who gives financially through the uh, Liberty Baptist Church, uh, we want you to understand we are partnered firmly with the cooperative program. And so in our annual budget, 10.5%, Two hundred ninety-one thousand plus in 2024, as we present that budget to you next week, is going to go through Liberty Baptist Church through the cooperative program as it goes to our state mission office, and then it will go further from there. Uh, and so, I'm excited to say that we have a partnership 
among Southern Baptists. We have a partnership through the cooperative program that is the greatest financial arm to fuel missionary endeavors on the face of the globe. And we're going to continue to be strong. But in that also, through our partnership with SBC, you partner with the IMB, International Mission Board. And through your giving, through the local church, through a designated offering called Lottie Moon, we're getting ready to crank that off, that 100% of that designated offering goes to support over 3,500 missionaries that are carrying the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hey, church, they're your missionaries and my missionaries. They're Southern Baptist missionaries, and they're your partners. And you fuel that partnership financially through your gifts to a designated offering, Lottie Moon, and through your consistent gifts in and through the local church that 10.5% of our every dollar goes through the cooperative program, and much of that goes to the International Mission Board. Not only that, but we have over 6,000 chaplains and North American missionaries called church planners or church revitalization pastors that are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. You need to understand we have great gospel partnerships. And there's a designated offering that we celebrate around Easter every year called Annie Who? Armstrong. Oh, that was better than cooperative program. Good. And so Annie Armstrong, but 100% of that designated offering goes to support those chaplains and church planners and church revitalization efforts in our nation. And so I'm so excited that as a people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who have been called to make disciples near and far, that we have some powerful partnerships through the SBC and through cooperative program and through the IMB and through now. But not only that, we have a partner with Alabama Baptist that just celebrated our 200th anniversary in over 3,200 churches. And back in September, we gave a designated offering called Myers Mallory, named after two of our frontier trailblazing gospel partners who were women in the ministry, taking the gospel to the uh, ends of the earth, literally in many ways. And so they, they were trailblazers. And our state missions offering that we collected almost $9,000 for supports WMU, disaster relief, church planning, church revitalization, and mission partnerships of those with Alabama connections that are literally all across the globe. You're part of that partnership. I'm a part of that partnership. And here's where Paul is going. Every time we partner with others and the gospel advances, there is spiritual fruit to your credit and to mine. And he's not saying that to give us a big head. He's just saying the power of partnerships where we need. I want you to understand that as, as Alabama Baptists, uh, God has richly, richly blessed us to be a part. But not only that, did you know we partner with Shelby Baptist Association and 67 churches in Shelby County? Did you know that the Christmas gift shop is part of that partnership that, that we're actively praying for and giving toward and participating in in many, many areas? And so that partnership is on the local level. But not only that, did you know you partner with other believers through your local church called Liberty Baptist? 
And in our local church, 3% of every dollar goes to Shelby Baptist Association. Over $81,000 proposed for 2024. And did you know you're not the largest church in Shelby Baptist Association, but for years running, you're the highest dollar amount giving church? I believe Liberty Baptist is a church that believes in generosity over greed. Hands down. All the time. But does that mean that we've arrived? Oh, no. Does that mean everybody is where they need to be in their gospel partnership contribution? No. It means that we need to keep persevering for the sake of the gospel. And as you give toward uh, to the Lord, I always like to say, to the Lord through His church, there is almost $500,000 in the budget that you'll get next week for 2024 that is set aside for missions and evangelism. In and through. That includes cooperative program. It includes Shelby Baptist Life. It includes local missions and community engagement and all of those. It includes our partners like Daryl Brunson in Montana and Expedition Church and Dennis Agri in Liberia and ALCAP, our, our advocacy in Montgomery. It includes the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries and many, many others. And so I just want to say, like Paul, thank you. Thank you for your generosity to the Lord through his church and gospel partnerships. Well done. But hey, church, we're not done yet. There's still more to do, but we want to celebrate. And the question personally maybe we need to ask is, are you part of the partnership? Are you part of that financial giving to the Lord through His church for the sake of the gospel mission at any level? If not, take a step forward. If you're not currently giving, I want to encourage you to pray about what the Lord would have you do. If you're currently not consistent at all in your giving, it's here and there and everywhere or, or depending upon circumstances, I want you to pray about how God will have you to grow in consistent giving. There is no greater joy than the privilege to be able to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and give to the gospel mission. God will bless you far more than you can ever imagine. And I'm not preaching a name it, claim it, or uh, gospel prosperity uh, or at any expense there. It's just real. And we're going to get to that. Number two on your notes. Generous giving through gospel partnerships, is what Paul says, increases the spiritual fruit to your account. Generous giving through gospel partnerships increases spiritual fruit to your account. After talking about the privilege and responsibility of giving, Paul says, uh, another clarification, hey, not that I seek the gift. I'm not preaching about giving so that I can get more, so that I can get rich and I can live comfortably. We know better in the life of the Apostle Paul. He said, I don't seek the gift, but there's something that I do seek. I seek the fruit that you're going to get credited to your account. I seek the blessing that God's going to give you for being obedient to him and giving to the Lord through gospel partnerships for the sake of the gospel advancing. And so we hear the pastor's heart that comes out. And he says, I desire the blessing that I've experienced to be yours. And this I know. When you give to the Lord through gospel partnerships, there is a blessing that comes your way. 
Someone said the only money that we'll see again in eternity is the money that we give away through gospel partnerships. There's a principle throughout Scripture. Let me give you some text, and we'll just run through those. You can go back and read them. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 says, The one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. But there's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in more want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters himself will himself be watered. Later in Proverbs 19 and verse 7, 19 verse 17, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs 22, 9, he who is generous will be blessed. Proverbs 28, 27, who who gives to the poor will never want. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. They were pouring into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the same standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. To the Corinthians, Paul says, Not this I say. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And last, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. We hear Paul himself who was an example of one who generously gave to the poor, he reminded the Ephesian elders, "...and everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak." And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said. What did Jesus say? "...it is more blessed to give than to receive." Many, many testimonies in these seats at Liberty Baptist Church can say, "...I can give you my story. It is more blessed to give than receive." And I want to encourage you in the coming weeks as we ramp through Thanksgiving week this week and Christmas coming up when giving is in our heart and on our mind and we're practicing that in so many different ways. Hey, share about how it is more blessed to give than receive when you give to the Lord through His church at any level. Share it in your life group. Celebrate those testimonies and those wins. And, and they're all centered around some foundational statements about biblical stewardship that we grow and we learn. And one is God is the owner. That makes me a steward. And as a steward, I own nothing. God owns it all. And I'm called to be faithful with what he's given me. Because I will be accountable for what he has given me in time, talent, and treasure. I love the definition of biblical stewardship, using my God-given abilities to manage God-given resources to accomplish God-ordained results. Biblical stewardship, using my God-given abilities to manage God-given resources to accomplish God-ordained results. The question is, where are we storing up our treasures? Matthew 6, you're going to hear it in a couple of weeks. Are we laying treasures up on earth only? Are we storing treasures in heaven as well? You know one of the primary ways that we store up treasures in heaven? Through generous giving, through gospel partnerships to the Lord. It is. There's going to be a day, I really believe, that somebody whose life was impacted by the gospel, you don't know. And perhaps in heaven, they're going to come up and say, thank you for being faithful 
and giving to or through this ministry, this missionary, because I am a life that was changed. Oh, I want to see that. I want to hear that. And the only way we're going to see and hear things like that is to go ahead and make that decision. I'm in. And I want to be obedient to the Lord with what he has given me. And that includes my finances. Three, and we're ramping down. Generous giving through gospel partnerships. Paul said is well-pleasing to the Lord. Anytime Scripture tells us something is well-pleasing, we need to take note. Paul says, this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Look at verse 18. The first half, he just simply says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. This is literally Paul's receipt to them that said, I got it. And hey, I'm abounding. I'm filled to the full. I, I don't need any more. Epaphroditus brought your gift, and I am overflowing. Thank you. Thank you for meeting my need. And so he is really giving them a receipt and, and affirming that, that he is overflowing to the point of having more than he really needs. He said, I am filled to the full. And so that's the gratitude coming out. That's the thank you note. But then he ends, verse 18, with terminology that paints the picture of sacrifice. And it reaches back to the Old Testament imagery and paints the picture of those sacrifices that, that were, uh, had a sweet aroma, a fragrance that rose up to the heavens and was said to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And we're not called to give animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus gave the final, perfect, ultimate sacrifice once for all, but we are called to give spiritual offerings that are well-pleasing to the Lord. One of them, Romans 12, verse 1, just a reminder, Paul says, Present your bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Hear the language? Acceptable to God. Hear the connection? Which is your spiritual service of worship. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, the Lord is pleased. And then Peter, 1 Peter 2, 5 says that we're a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord. Here's what Paul is saying to them. Your sacrifice of generous giving to gospel partnership is an act of worship that is well-pleasing to the Lord. The question comes back to each of us individually as well as the church corporately. Is our level of generosity well-pleasing to the Lord? Are you in the game at all or in the mission at all? In financial giving. Most, I would say, you're in the game. You're in the mission. Some are not. Some desire to be but don't know how to get there. Let me give you an answer for that. Do something. Zeros are unacceptable because that lets God know where your heart is regarding your finances, regarding his mission. 
Everybody can do something. So the challenge is be in the mission as you're able, where you're at. Do something now. It's not going to get easier. But when you step out in faith and you start where you are, whatever that means, there's a heart that says, oh, God, I want to teach me how. Oh, God, I want to be involved. I want to be connected. I want to be part of the gospel going forward. Allow me the blessing to do that. Show me how to set priorities. Show me how to make changes. For those that are there and are living it out, and you understand it's more blessed to give and let God flow through you financially, that God has blessed you for you to be a blessing to others, just keep on doing what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. And you'll be surprised what God does every now and then. We were at an event this week, and they made an appeal to give money for scholarships to students who had need, who had surrendered their life to vocational ministry. Well, I did the typical preacher thing. I looked in my billfold and got what was convenient and pulled it out. It was ready. I couldn't get peace. Because the Holy Spirit was saying, hmm, no. You can do better than that. Thankfully, I listened, and I pray that I was obedient. But sometimes he'll surprise you that you can do better than that. There's some very tangible ways that we can take a step forward. At our convention, there were uh, uh, two college students, a boy and a girl, that were committed to go to Poland committed for six months to help a church start a college ministry to students. They didn't have the first dime. They just knew God called. And they interviewed them, and the question from Buddy Champion is, how much money do you have? And they said, well, we'll go count it tonight. We really don't know. And they're leaving in January, and here was the challenge to Alabama Baptists. I believe Buddy said that if eight churches could give $1,000 apiece then these students wouldn't have to worry about that financial issue. And I just believe Liberty Baptist was going to be one of those, so I obligated Kyle's budget, of which he didn't have it budgeted, and I said, we're going to give $1,000. But I'm just going to give you an opportunity. If you want to replenish Kyle's budget and that $1,000, you can do that. What I did this morning is went online giving. And, and I, I put in the amount that I wanted to contribute toward that, and then I just selected missions. So, Melissa, uh, missions is, is going to see some money come in, at least from me, and, uh, and I just believe we can do that. But that's a way to step forward in giving. There's another way. There's a Christmas tree in the gathering place. It's got name tags or, or gift tags that are all over it. It's full of tags today. It needs to be empty by the end of the day probably. And so these are buying gifts that will go to Christmas gift shop that will be a blessing to families that are really in need in Shelby County. And as it is processed through the gift shop, when you buy the gifts and bring it back to the, at the point of time and location, then it will be part of the Christmas gift shop so that the families that are being blessed, you have part of that gospel partnership and what's going on. So through life groups, through individuals, however you want to do it, there's that opportunity that is going on as well. I guess the live it out 
questions that are in our sermon notes. How can you more effectively partner with your faith family at Liberty for the sake of the gospel? I've given you some ideas. What is one action you can take this week to become a better partner in the gospel mission through Liberty? There's another one I think Matt handed out to life groups a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, about a local school. And same thing as Christmas gift shop. Kids and families that probably wouldn't get much on Christmas that we can be a blessing for. Those were dispersed through life groups. I'm not asking you to do all of them as far as one person doing everything. You might. I'm just asking you to take a step and do something. Because there is a blessing from above when we're faithful to our Lord and generous giving through gospel partnerships. Hey, we've got some strong gospel partnerships. And I want you to be blessed to be one of those partners. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you'd help us get through the confusion in our mind or the distractions that are glaring. Maybe the distraction is, I can't believe he just preached on giving right before Thanksgiving. But Father, we need it. We need to hear. And it's not because our faith family is not faithful. They really are. It's a heart of generosity that overflows. Paul didn't send his commendation to the believers at Philippi because they were needing to be spurred on. He was doing it in response of their generosity already. And so, Father, help us to have ears to hear what we need to hear. I pray for those that are not in the mission at all financially. Father, open their eyes to the joy of it, to the way they can get in. I pray for those that want to do more, but they feel bad because they can't. Father, give them comfort and confidence that uh, you've just asked them to do what they can do. I pray that everyone at Liberty will do something, something. And have the widow's might example in Scripture that money wasn't what the Lord was after. It's the heart of surrender and the heart that wants to be generous and we give proportionally from where we are. Father, bless them with that peace and that confidence to just do what they can, where they are, and a desire to be faithful to you. And there are those, Father, that are living in this mission They've been blessed, and they have a gracious and generous spirit. And they're already just blessing others and blessing your kingdom. Father, give them greater joy. Give them greater excitement about being on mission with the gospel. So, Father, uh, help us to hear what we need to hear. Help us to respond in obedience where we need. And Father, I pray that others will come to know Christ as a result. I pray, Father, that we'll get to heaven one day. And our ears might get to hear. Thank you for giving to the Lord. We don't have much time. 
But with the time that we have, Lord, help us to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. Amen.